1: Well, hello, raw feeders. I'm Didi Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. Like my friend, Dr. Judy Jasek, do not let friends feed kibble. Good morning from Tennessee. Good morning. Good morning, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so cool is you've got cats that have come to your house because they know you have raw food. The word is out. That's, that's
2: right. <laughs> that's right. We had one show up. And he was a little like about what's this food, you know? He was a little hesitant, but he kind of checked it out. And then the second cat showed up and just dove into the food immediately. And then the first cat was like, "Okay, well, I, he can't eat it. I can't let him eat it. And I not eat it." So now they're like, I, I mean, like attack me in the morning, like I go out there, but their food dishes, and they're like, I mean, just can't wait for their food, and then it's gone in like ten seconds. So yeah. It's are you, you going to keep feeding them? Yeah, I'll keep feeding them. I tell <laughs> them they, like the objective here is that they do still hunt. So, you know, I, you know, but I want to keep them. I can't not feed them. I mean, how can you look at the little eyes in the door and not feed them? <laughs> right. You know, yeah. they say after the cats to mouse, you know, don't feed them as much, but I don't know. I want to. I want to keep my. They, and they are out there hunting. You know, we are on ten acres, so they're just outside. They're out roaming around, eating bugs and moths, and hopefully they're catching some mice in the process too. So,
1: we were um, at a luncheon the other day at the Western Stock Show, which I love. If you guys don't, if you've never gotten involved in the rodeo lifestyle. Uh, there's going to be some people that, you know, don't like that, but I love it. It's, it's God, country, animals, mm-hmm. the land. It is just, I, I love the whole thing. So anyway, we were at a luncheon and we were talking with um, a, a guy next to us and he was asking us, you know, what we do and we're talking about raw food and he was asking about cats and he said, you know, my, my, uh, my, my uh, sister thinks it's so cruel that um, somebody, I don't know whether it's a neighbor. Doesn't feed the cats because they have like twenty barn cats. And he said, but they hunt. And he said, you know, they're they're healthy. They're just out there doing their thing, hunting birds and mice and whatever else they eat out there.
2: Yeah, so. yeah. I'm sure they would be fine. I mean, there's. I mean, we are in a very rural area, and I'm sure there is plenty of rodents and things for them to eat. You know, calling around out there. But
1: yeah, you know. Yeah, so we have we have a lot to talk about today, Dr. Jacek. We you know, you and I are seeing more and more sick animals just all the time. And we have our suspicions uh because of what we see and the patterns um and I guess you guys that listen to the podcast know what our suspicions are. But um you know, I wonder at what time in space we're going to uh get uh, uh sort of silenced or censored, uh Brian had sent me something where there's an article out by um this this uh vet um whose name is let me see if you recognize her name. Her name is Lisa Freeman. your dog needs greens from Tufts University.
2: oh, I had to write that name down yeah, I don't remember yeah,
1: but uh she wrote this article called stop reading your pet food ingredient list. Oh jeez. Stop reading your pet food ingredient list. Now, why do you, why would somebody say that, Dr. Jasek? Why would somebody want you to not read the ingredient list?
2: That seems a little crazy to me. Yeah, well, not if they don't want you to know what's in it. Just read the <laughs> just believe the marketing and the pretty pictures on the bag and and listen to all the uh, propaganda claims but don't look at the ingredients and find out what's really in it because you know what you might not feed it then they can't have that because then they would lose money because they wouldn't sell as much food
1: right right so this was what was funny and the reason I bring this up because Brian said that he's in a Facebook group and um that somebody posted this And Dr. Josie Boog, and I may not be saying that right, B-E-U-G, challenged Dr. Freeman on this post. And Dr. Boog got promptly banned from the group. Mm Hmm. Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny? So, um, yeah, you can't question a crazy narrative or you get banned and censored. Mm
2: -hmm. So, I yeah, just... and be really careful. You know, so many people, you know, are out there on social media. And, and I know these groups, you know, um, people do find a lot of support because they can talk to other people that, you know, have pets with cancer or pets with similar health conditions. But you really have to be careful about the information that's out there or the information that's not out there. So, you know, if you're relying on social media for your information, remember that a lot of stuff gets censored. And just because you know, something isn't showing up out there. It might just be because they're not letting it. So uh, we've got
1: a couple of uh, scenarios we want to talk about today. Lymph nodes, extremely swollen. This dog is six years old, uh, still mostly happy. But his prognosis um, is that this dog will be gone in a month. Okay. This is the prognosis that he has received from his vet. And so his question is, is that really true? Now, we don't know. We don't know if that's really true. But his question was, should I put him on a raw diet? Will that help him live longer than a month? Um, this is six years old. Um, unfortunately, he has had all of his vaccines. Um, and he's had all the rabies. He did not have the lepto. Um, he has done the heartworm. Vetrashield plus which is an ivermectin and parental hmm. um that's what he's done you know for kind of his his lifetime and then he's uh, been on kibble's kirkland salmon and sweet potato cancers 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 dr jacek and and you uh we are going to be doing a cancer webinar uh with dr jacek and so stay tuned for more information about that but what do you think dr jacek oh he's still playing Uh, He's still having a good time, but the vets are telling him he's only got a month to live and he's on prednisone. Yeah. Well, you know, I
2: think I'm seeing more and more quote unquote lymphoma What's being diagnosed as lymphoma. And I say it that way because it's presenting in lots of different ways like sometimes just the internal organs are affected like we have like swollen or, organs like the spleen liver will be enlarged and one of the large lymph nodes like in the abdomen sometimes you can't even it's not even the lymph nodes on the outside of the body that you can feel and they'll present this way and and i as i watch these different cases come across that are presenting in so many different ways and younger and younger and younger ones. And I, I just, I just keep saying to myself, this is not cancer per se. This is toxicity. And especially because it's affecting the lymphatic system because well, the job of the lymphatic system is to detoxify the body. That's what the lymph nodes do. And are these enlarged lymph nodes actually cancerous or, or is the body just an overdrive trying to detox from all these poisons? I, I mean, our pets are literally being poisoned to death by the conventional medicine, medical system. If people are getting all the vaccines, they're doing the flea and tick and the heartworm, and they're not on good diets, they're literally being poisoned. So it makes sense to me that the whole lymphatic system you know, would be in, in overdrive. And sometimes, you know, I hear these diagnoses and they, they haven't actually done like even aspirates of the lymph nodes. So the well, lymph nodes are enlarged, large, it's lymphoma. It's just called lymphoma. In my mind, this is, this is toxicity. We have to stop poisoning the, the pets. I mean, I, I don't have any other explanations to why we're seeing more and more different types of cancers, and in particular lymphoma, I see probably two out of three of my new cancer patients are lymphoma. So why is that system being affected? Well, if you look at it from the toxicity standpoint it it makes perfect sense and it 's tragic, and a lot of pets are are going to be dying because of this. You have to stop poisoning the pets. you have to stop using this stuff. I know there's rules. I know you're scared about, you know, fleeing. You know, I just moved to Tennessee. I found a tick on my dog yesterday and just plucked it off. I'm like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not, am I going to go run out and put him on, you know, front line? Like, oh, I check him, make sure there's no ticks. I found a couple on myself and they're a little creepy, but, you know, I make sure I shower every night before I go to bed. So don't, you know, adjust the bed or something. But like, and it just, it just made me wonder because I went through this thought process. The what the popular narrative is we have to be afraid, you know, fear cells have to be afraid of these bugs, We have to be afraid of ticks, we have to be afraid of fleas, we have to be afraid of heartworm disease. Well, maybe a lot of this stuff is just made up to sell these products. And we don't have to be as afraid as we've been taught we should be. And in fact, we are actually poisoning our pets and doing more harm than good by giving these products. That's truly what I think is going on.
1: Well, when you look at this ivermectin and pyrantel, pyrantel works by paralyzing worms, okay? So if you're going to paralyze a worm, guys, you're going to have to put something in your dog's body that is not good, okay? Because it's going to paralyze worms. And the other thing too is, why do we do that on a monthly basis? If your dog doesn't have any worms, we don't need to be putting that in their body. And There comes a point where it's, as you said, there's just so much toxicity that the dog can't function anymore.
2: Right. And they're probably told by their vet, if they went in and said, hey, do you think this, you know, heartworm prevention with the ivermectin and the pyrantel in it is, you know, could have contributed to my dog's cancer, the vet will say, well, of course not. You know, it's perfect, perfectly safe, perfectly safe and effective. How many times have we heard that recent recent years? But you know, I, and and I agree with what you you said a minute ago. Is if we're if we're gonna use a medication, it should be targeted. So say somebody sends me a fecal test, and we got a young puppy that's loaded with worms. It happens sometimes, you know. They get parasites, and it you know the puppies didn't get a good start in life, and their immune system is compromised. Well. I do think there's probably an advantage to giving that puppy something that's going to get rid of those parasites. Like, so, you know, those parasites are robbing that puppy of nutrition. They're harming their health and you could do herbal treatments to get rid of them, but it might take a couple months. So do we want to compromise a, a puppy's health for that long? In that case, I might say, well, let's, let's, let's do the anti-parasitic and make sure we're cleaning out, you know, those parasites, because that's probably an advantage, but it's very targeted. We know exactly what worms are there. We know what we're treating and you have to use an appropriate um, dosing schedule. So the idea is that you, if you just give dewormers indiscriminately, you can actually build resistance to them. And that's one of the beefs I have with just giving it every month, no matter what. Because the idea is you want to kill the adults and then there's going to be eggs there. And then you always got to give a second dose. You got to give those eggs time to hatch out, but kill them off again, then kill off the larvae before they have a chance to mature and lay more eggs. And if you miss that window, you're not doing anything to get rid of the parasites and in fact... It, you know, depending on the dose, if they're not getting enough of a dose to eliminate what's there, you're just going to build resistance. So it could, in fact, be making the whole situation worse by just giving it on a on an ongoing basis.
1: Mm. And
2: for life. <laughs> a lot of these and drugs are, are on it yeah. for
1: life. Right. And, and, and
2: even like with the, you know, with the heartworm, like when I talk to people, OK, you know, I know there's areas of the country where. You know, it's very warm, humid, lots of mosquitoes, the heartworm risk is higher. And if dogs are not healthy now, you know, most of the heartworm cases I hear about are dogs that come through rescue. So these are dogs that are probably not had good nutrition and not, on um, you know, they, they just are more immunocompromised. So they might be more susceptible to, to getting a heartworm infestation. Um, But what I tell people, or people are worried about it, and they say, I really, you know, I need to do heartworm prevention, like, okay, you do it only during the warm summer months. And it's almost impossible these days to find a heartworm preventative for pets that only does the heartworm. So the ivermectin, you know, is probably pretty safe. I mean, I don't recommend using it unnecessarily, but lots of people took ivermectin during COVID. And it was shown to have a lot of advantages. So I've I've been recommending, you know, target what you're treating. If you're worried about heartworm, find an ivermectin-only product. Well, it's almost impossible. So I've been talking to people about just using the livestock ivermectin, just Mm -hmm. getting the liquid, you can get the cattle injectable, you can dose it at, I just kind of use the same, it's like a cc per 100 pounds, I think, just kind of do that and scale it back. And give them a dose of that. Just you can get a syringe. You can buy that yourself at the feed store and just shoot that in their mouth, you know, once a month, or you could probably even do it every six weeks during the warm summer months. And that's way safer than than these other products with all these multiple drugs in them. So that's that's where I suggest that people are worried about heartworm. go go that route. And then it's, it's, it's very, it's very targeted for what you're treating.
1: Now you have an article on your website, ahavet.com that talks about the actual life cycle, Mm -hmm. you know, of heartworms. And and that's really what people want to understand. Now, um, you do have to think, you kind of have to look at the months, (laughs) you know, and say, is this a, you know, a month that I uh, should give that ivermectin or not. Um, And a lot of people like that convenience, but you guys, we say it all the time, convenience kills. It does. Mm -hmm. We see it every single day for a lot of people. It's hard to get their minds around that. There's an institution called the medical field that maybe is doing things that are harmful, right? right. To, to people and pets. And it happens every day, guys, if you really knew the stats on how many people die from medical, not malpractice, but medical misdiagnosis. It, it's astronomical. And I, I I just don't think that people see that. And and we're not trained to understand health. But one simple thing is you have to understand you cannot put toxins in a body and a body be healthy. Whether that right. is a pet or a person, you can't eat substandard food every day and be healthy. Now there are some people, Doctor Jacek, like my aunt Peggy, who I always talk about. My aunt Peggy couldn't kill her. I mean, <laughs> and she drank like a ton of vodka and she smoked cigarettes, and 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 I think she even had staff at
2: one time. And she lived to be into her nineties. There are individuals in in the pet world like your aunt Peggy that just you know have this uh, these amazingly. Resilient bodies, but that is by far the exception. And the other thing I say to people that say that is yes, but the and even the kibble today is not the same kibble as it was 20 years ago. They're they're using glyphosate way more. You know, there's a lot more contamination that, um, from the glyphosate being sprayed on these ingredients um, to to dry them to dry the the grains or the non grain ingredients. You're lentils and chickpeas and all that so dogs these days are getting a direct dose of glyphosate right in their food and yet right. people question what's in the raw food well, right. what do you think's in that kibble like I, that it, it continues to baffle me how people can just blatantly trust what's in that bag of kibble without even investigating where where are those ingredients coming from where's that sourcing and they ask about the sourcing of the raw food where do you think the meat that's the supposed meat that's in the kibble is coming from? Where's all that stuff? Nobody questioned it. Why does nobody question kibble? Just baffles me. Yeah. Because
1: it's got pretty marketing on it. It's got pretty, pretty pictures right. of carrots and
2: blueberries on the bag.
1: Right. Which they're finally, you know, I'm reading in a uh, pet health industry news. They're finally catching on and they're saying, you know, the pet parents are catching on and we got to change it because the stuff that's in the bag looks nothing like a, is on the front page right
2: exactly Duh. and yet
1: and yet on our website you're going to see pictures of the actual food which in the beginning people were saying you know that's not really pretty right it just looks like you know that that food's not pretty and we're like no it's not pretty but that's what it is you know, that's what it looks like. If you look at, you know, uh, what what does the meat look like? You know, now we're doing videos that are on some of the, a lot of the products and we're trying to show people this is what it really looks like.
2: People have been programmed to believe that that kibble in a bowl is what you're supposed to be feeding your, your mm-hmm. dogs because that's what they've been seeing on the TV for years. So people are conditioned. So like you said, snap out of it, change your conditioning. Right. Um, So- just to finish up with this first
1: question, if you were talking to this particular customer, they've got a dog that that they're that they're basically saying, um, "You've got a this dog has about a month now." You guys, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Doctor J.C. doesn't know. Your vet doesn't know. I think what you look at is what is the average? What have you seen? Right? Um, how fast a cancer grows, or things like that um but he's basically saying does my dog have any chance of not you know dying and should he put the dog on a raw food would it help
2: well i mean i'll tell you in my experience i i would say almost always probably 99% of the time when we start treating holistically we go beyond what the conventional quote unquote predictions are. We do see our patients go beyond that and they have a better quality of life. Now I, I can never make a guarantee, but I mean, I've, I, in just about every cancer case, you know, maybe the dog doesn't live, you know, it's full life expectancy, but instead of one month, maybe it's six months. So I definitely, it definitely helps. And again, they have a really good quality of life. They feel good. And especially if the dog is feeling good when we start treating, you know, when, when somebody uh, comes to me with a cancer patient and the dog's already really weak and not eating and, you know, might be a little too far behind the ball in a case like that. Not that we don't try, but it's, it's more of a slippery slope at that point, but a dog that's feeling good, eating good, good energy. That's the, that's the time to jump in and change the diet and see what you can do. And I I can almost guarantee that you're, you're going to give the dog longer than they predict and um, a better quality of life. Now, how much longer we don't know, but I, it's also true though, that the further you get out, from the diagnosis with the dog doing well, the better your chances of longer term results are. So, you know, we go out a month, how are we doing? Everything's great. If we go out three months, the dog's still doing great. You know, it's even a better chance of having maybe, Hey, maybe we can help this dog for a couple of years. Cause I've seen that happen. We go out six months and the dog's still doing great. Then I think we stand an even better chance. So I think there's benchmarks we can look at, but that the, I know what comes out of conventional medicine that's in its very doom and gloom. There's nothing you can do. Your dog's going to be dead in a month. And why do they say that? Because they don't use any of this stuff. They don't use raw food. They don't, they don't use herbs. They don't use any of these things that we see help. It's not in their, their toolbox. So yeah, if I saw a patient and I didn't, you know, and the client didn't want to do, you know, chemo or something. I, I, you know, if I was conventionally minded and said, well, the tools in my toolkit are surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation. You're not going to do those. Well, what else do you have to offer people except, well, you know, sorry, take your dog home to die. And it probably would die in a month, you know, if, if you didn't do anything. But if you start to make some changes and support the body, then, you know, I, I I think there's a good chance you know he could extend the dog's life for for some period of time, and it's like you got to feed him anyway. Why not change the diet and see what happens? Right, got got nothing to nothing to lose, and and possibly a lot to gain, and and stop doing the god awful vaccines too.
1: Right. So our next patient, Doctor Jasic, is a little Yorkie, nine and a half years old, named Bentley. Now, Bentley went to the doctor because he got up the other day and he was lethargic and his back legs were going out and he was unstable. So they went in and did a sonogram. And um, what they found was some masses. And I've sent you that information uh, and we've kind of taken a look at that. Um, here, here's the issue with this little guy. This little guy has done all the vaccines, all the rabies shots, all the flea and tick and all the heartworm, um, on a consistent basis, right? This is, this is the pet parents first pet. And they, they thought that they, like many of our pet parents were doing the right thing, right? Keep protecting the pet and giving them these, um, these, these type of, of treatments. I've I've sent over the information. Now I will say that they um, gave him an appetite uh, enhancer to help Mm -hmm. him eat. However, she did get uh, on the raw food uh, immediately and the dog is gobbling it up. So he clearly doesn't have any issues eating. Uh, He's walking around fine right now. Um, He's peeing and pooping and playing. So, but he does seem to have something going on in that liver and kidney. From what you've seen, you have any thoughts about the uh, medical condition of this particular uh, Yorkie?
2: Yeah, well, they, you know, he definitely has some masses in his liver and a mass on the spleen. So that's you know obviously a significant finding. His his blood work looks pretty good though. Like he doesn't have super high liver enzymes. Actually, most of his liver. En- Uh, the AST and ALT aren't even elevated at all. Um, The alkaline phosphatase is up a little bit, but not too bad. Um, So really his blood work looks good and he's acting good. So again, when they have a lot of natural vitality, a good appetite, I mean, that's a time to, you know, jump in, change the diet. Um, You know, I of course do things with Chinese herbs and mistletoe and, you know, different things, people can buy ozone generators and do that at home. It's very easy to do uh, rectal ozone at home if they were interested in in doing that. And because these are tumors in the abdomen, you, it could be really, really beneficial because we're getting the ozone um, kind of right in that area of the abdominal cavity. So this would be a really great time to to jump in. We don't know what these masses are. And I, you know, I'm not a Proponent of poking needles and things Um, anyway, because that can sometimes blow them up and make them worse. I'd I'd wonder a little bit if because whenever we have a mass on the spleen, hemangiosarcoma is a high probability. um, If maybe there was a little bleed that could have contributed to the weakness, I don't think they mentioned that on the ultrasound report. But if you know, it's a small dog, so he bled if this tumor bled even a little bit could have made him um, a little bit weaker than two. But again, it's, you know, it's a great time to jump in, start supporting the body and see, see what we can, what we can accomplish. You know, I think it's important to remember too, the body health is the natural state health and homeostasis is the natural state. Now we have a cancer diagnosis. We're a bit behind the ball, you know, obviously we're not in that ideal healthy state, but when we have, you know, uh, a lot of vitality still, we still have a lot to work with. And I think it's still worth jumping in and helping. This isn't a particularly old dog for a little dog. It's just nine years old. So, you know, it's like you jump in and you see, you know, see what you can do and see what results you get.
1: So, Here's a question. So this particular Yorkie was given Semperica and Centennial, yeah. um, the 5th of this month and the 10th of this month. And a lot of that, you know, sort of like the weakness in the legs and the ataxi and that sort of thing, the wobbling, it seems to come from these type of uh, neurotoxins as well. Um, mm-hmm. Could Could that have been part of the problem? Could he been reacting to these uh, flea, flea and tick and heartworm issues. I see that on, on the, especially the, the Semperica, right? So that is a a super, uh, bad one that we don't want to be giving our dogs guys, but, um, could that have been part of the problem? Oh, absolutely.
2: Those are neurotoxins. They're toxic to the insects. They're going to be toxic to your dog. And the other thing too, is this is, you know, a small dog. It's, he's a Yorkie. Do you know what he weighs?
1: Um, I think he weighs, let's see, because I did the calculation. I think he weighs like nine or 10 pounds.
2: Yeah. Okay. That's, that's what I was going to figure. So the other thing to remember is when you give all of these preventatives, all the flea and tick, all the heartworm, the the size you get is based on the weight of the dog, but their ranges and it's zero to 25 pounds and 25 to 50 pounds and 50 to a hundred pounds. So your little nine pound dog is going to get the same dose as a 25 pound dog more than twice its size. So not only are these ingredients toxic, but a little guy like this is getting a huge overdose of them. And given, you know, if it's given month after month after month for years, that probably is why he has liver masses because the liver is what helps metabolize and, and Eliminate um, these chemicals. The liver helps eliminate toxins from the body. And that's what these are. And that's probably what um, set this off. And, you know, could the ataxi have been a direct result of these drugs? Yeah, absolutely.
1: You know, I was talking about Dr. Uh, Josie Boog, and I don't know if I'm saying her name right, but on this page uh, in, in Dogs Naturally, where they really do talk about Brevecto, Semperica, um, and Nexgard she says do not do not use this on your pets you right so she she is really coming in she's she is holistic and i love it that she's holistic and she's speaking out about this and yet she's the one that gets banned from a facebook group okay whatever uh this is ridiculous but in the simperica you guys there's a lot of people that still use this but the one it's it causes they say may cause neurological signs such as tremors unsteadiness and or seizures in dogs uh, with or without a history of neurologic disorders. So I think this is what confuses people a lot of times because they've rocked a lawn for many years and nothing has happened, right? Mm -hmm. But, But then all of a sudden, you know, something goes wrong and a dog, you know, has these issues. And so it's hard to make that connection. But again, these are toxins and we don't want to put this in our dog's body. There is, There are many different type of organic natural flea and tick sprays that you can use. We have flea flicker. Uh, there's one out there from Kin and Kind. Uh, but we want to make sure, again, uh, doing things like what you said, Dr. Jasek, with the ivermectin and these very safe, non-toxic things to keep you know the flea and ticks away we don't want to put these neurotoxins in our dogs i know that that they are uh pushed and pushed heavily in the traditional vet uh industry but there's many many groups out there on facebook um there's one there's a private facebook group on Separica al- alone Amber Vecto, uh and Nexgard that says do these kill dogs and mm. um and and they're So we've got a lot of people that, that have had these, these issues. So the question is this, if you have, well, let me say one other thing, rabies, the rabies shot guys, especially for these little dogs, same thing that you just said, Dr. Jacek, they're not getting a smaller dose. Mm -hmm. And remember Dr. Rob, who tried to come out and say, Hey, uh, these little guys are getting overdosed. And then he was with uh I believe he had the um the pet smart um what is that called again oh banfield
2: he had mm-hmm. a banfield
1: location. he came out with that that's not their protocol, so guess what mm-hmm. he totally lost his his uh banfield uh location, and I don't know if he lost his license for speaking out for the pets I don't know right
2: uh, i I started doing that before I closed my on-site practice. I just called it weight adjusted dosing. And I would just give them, you know, less little dog. I just give them a little bit, you know, I mean, I, I recommend not giving the shots at all, but you know, certain circumstances, a lot of people, you know, like to travel with their pets. And I mean, I don't know any workaround for getting on an airplane or going to another country with your pet without, you know, proof of, of a current uh, rabies shot. So I would do weight adjusted dosing, you know, I mean, I never like advertise that. But, you know, between myself and my clients, I would say, you know, I, I'll, I'll do this if, you know, if, if you want, and the people were, of course, very much in favor of that. Um, so I, you know, I I did start doing that. But yeah, that's not, that's not the the narrative that they want you to be promoting out there. It says all this stuff is safe and more is better and just keep, you know, pumping this stuff into your pets. And I think too, like with the little Bentley, you know, I think when they're poisoned month after month after month and, and year after year after year, the vaccines and probably is getting all this stuff year round, it just runs the body down. So when people say, well, I never saw this before, Yeah, but you've been weakening the body for all of these years. You know, when they're younger, it's just like us. When you're teenagers, you can get away with a lot more. You can eat and drink different things and it doesn't affect you. And you get older and you got to be a little more careful where the pets' bodies change too. And it's like if you were ingesting a low dose of a toxin every month and you did that for eight years, I bet you'd be feeling pretty sick too.
1: Is there any way? with this little Bentley guy, um, to totally detox the body. I mean, we're trying, we're going that route right now, right? We're getting them off all of the, the milk bones, the greenies, the Hills, okay. Uh, food and stopping all of those treatments. Now that treatment was just this month, right? So, um, she's going down that path as far as these masses, can the masses shrink Uh, if you stop poisoning the body or do we have to do something more like mistletoe kind of, what do you see in that realm?
2: Oh, they definitely can shrink. Now I'm usually, you know, if I'm working with the patient, of course, would do everything you just said. We stop the, the, you know, milk bones and greenies and the food and change, change, all of those things. Um, but then I also, well, you know, work in some herbs or some Chinese, I mean, I use a Chinese herbal blend that is specifically designed to break up masses and it, it helps in Chinese medicine. Whenever you have a mass, you have stagnant energy and there's herbal blends that can help break that up. So I'm always doing multiple things, you know, doing the basic, you know, um, routine maintenance things, but then we're adding in herbs. I would absolutely add in in a case like this, you know, you got multiple tumors identified in the abdomen. I would be fairly aggressive as far as I would do herbs. I'd probably do mistletoe. I, you know, would talk to them about getting a, a home ozone generator and doing some rectal ozone at home. You know, I would, I would be suggesting all of those things, again, because this dog's healthy, it's got this vitality, we need to get on it and and work with that. Now, could changing the diet alone and eliminating, you know, those unhealthy treats, could that help, you know, in and of itself? Sure. I mean, it's, it's like we were saying before, if you don't do the diet, I mean, the diet change is most important. If you don't do that, don't waste your time and money on all the other stuff because you can't keep poisoning the pet and then expect this other stuff to be a magic bullet but i would be doing some you know some other things as well to help make sure that this didn't um turn into something more because you know i look at it like okay this dog has these tumors but the dog's acting fine like what if we just stop this in its tracks right now If, if if we shrink the tumors Great. That's even better. But it, say we don't and say it, we just stop this, right? And the dog's happy, healthy, doing doing pretty well. So if we can stop it in its tracks, this dog could, you know, potentially live for years. And I think, that's, I think that's very doable. It just, you know, the outcome just varies a lot with the individual pet. We just never know. But it's always worth jumping in and giving it a try.
1: Now the oh the uh, the mistletoe, Dr. Jacek, the mistletoe mm-hmm. uh typically is, is really good at helping to shrink or heat up the tumors. Is, is that the way heat up the body so that it shrinks the tumors or um uh, makes them uh well why don't you tell me? How do, how does the mistletoe mm-hmm.
2: work? <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I, let me you just know. handle that one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um so Basically, what the mistletoe does is it's it is it, um, it it's immunomodulating, which means it helps support normal immune system function. I've even used it in some cases of dogs with autoimmune disease where immune systems sort of overactive and reacting against the body and we want to calm it down. Uh, the mistletoe can help with that. Probably the most common time I use it is with, with cancer patients where we want to support normal immune system function. We want to kind of wake it up and say, "Hey, you know you're slacking, you got some work to do here." but it does also induce a slight fever. Now this varies with the pet. It doesn't always induce a fever um and if it does, but if it does induce a slight fever, it's like you said, we're by that fever can actually be very therapeutic because it activates the enzymes in in the body, the enzymatic systems in the body that can help with the detox. And also if, if you think about um, as Dr. Cohen talks about how we're, we're just kind of a of jello, you know, in our bodies, you know, got all this gel in there in between the cells and everything. And that's where toxins get stuck. And when you heat that, it's just like heating jello, it starts to liquefy a bit and those toxins can then get out of there. They're not stuck in that gel matrix they can actually be removed. So a slight fever, um, I think, can actually be a, a beneficial effect of the misseltonum. Not all pets run fevers and I still see them benefit from it. Um, I, the thing we avoid is a high fever. Like We don't want a pet to be running such a high fever that it's just wiped out the day after an injection because we want to maintain a good quality of life. But you know, if they're running a little fever, like a, you know, degree or so, and this does take, you know, monitoring your pet's temperatures, you know, what's normal, but it is just up a degree or so, and the pets may be a little tired. That's okay. I mean, I think that can actually help. So it's, it's working with the body um, to help the body do its job better. And that's really the crux of what we do and how we help cancer patients. It's not about attacking the cancer per se. We're helping to support the body to do its job better. And that's why the most important thing is we got to stop poisoning it because health is natural. And if we keep poisoning the body, you know, these things just aren't going to work.
1: If someone is going to do mistletoe, that's an injection, it is, the- a, it is
2: an injection, and we teach people to do it at home. It's given it three times a week. It's a little subcutaneous injection, and you just give underneath the skin at the back of the neck. And we've taught lots and lots and lots of people to do it. Sometimes um, people will decide to; they'll find somebody locally a vet tech they know, or they'll they'll go into their vet to get you know to have the injections given if they're not just not comfortable doing it. But most people are fine with it. I do Zoom calls with people, um, you know, to kind of talk them through their first injection. And then once they do it, they're like, oh, that's not so bad. So, yeah, but people can do it at home. That's what makes it a really cool therapy is I can send that to people anywhere and they can do it at home. They don't need to have um, a local vet necessarily helping them with that.
1: Yeah. Rick does that for um, Asta. All the time, mm-hmm. right? He does the one. He does the yeah. testosterone. He does all that. Now, last question uh, in regards to Bentley: What would be the traditional path if they see masses in dogs? What is the traditional path, and what do you see the outcome of that traditional path?
2: First of all, they would say nutrition doesn't matter because I've heard that over and over. People ask, "Well, do I need to change a diet?" Like, no, you know, just keep feeding what you're feeding, which is, you know, very unhealthy. And then again, their only options are there's three, three options, surgery, chemotherapy, radiation, and, you know, chemo is probably the most commonly recommended, but I guarantee you take a little tiny dog like this and start him on chemotherapy. That is not going to go well. Again, it's a tiny little animal and you're giving these highly toxic drugs and I, I don't typically see that, you know, turn, turn out well. Um, Again, it's, it's another poison. Maybe it can, you know, sometimes it can shrink tumors. Um, So you see what appears to be short-term results, but you're poisoning the whole body. And so those results are going to be temporary. And As soon as you stop the chemo, things almost always come back. With, with a vengeance. So I don't ever recommend that. I mean, something like this, I doubt that these would be considered operable, especially in the liver masses. You can go in and remove the spleen, but I doubt that even a conventional vet would recommend that because you got these other tumors in the liver. So why put you know, the pet through the stress and surgery? Um, radiation, I doubt that they'd recommend that because it's so widespread. Again, you're you're going to be zapping the normal liver cells, normal spleen cells, so I don't think that would be a good option. so they might recommend um, uh chemo they'd first of all want a diagnosis though, so they'd want to be doing needle aspirates and or biopsies to find out because they can't prescribe a chemo a chemo protocol unless they know definitively what the what type of cancer it is and they stage it and all that because that's they base those protocols. You know, what, what we do, our approach in supporting the body. I don't really need to know what kind of tumor it is because I'm going to be looking at the pet and supporting their body appropriately. And I see just poking needles into tumors blows them up sometimes. So I don't actually even recommend doing that.
1: Gotcha. All right. Well, we'll get your information over to Bentley's parents and uh, hopefully they will contact you. Um, You guys, if, if you have a dog Um, that's got a cancer diagnosis and uh, you've you've heard Dr. Jacek's protocol, right? Uh, You have to make that decision whether you're going to go down the traditional path or you're going to go down a um, holistic path.
2: If if a pet parent is going to go talk to an oncologist and they say, well, it's an 80% success rate It's very important to ask them, how do they define success? Because if success is they shrink this tumor for a month, well, while ruining the dog's quality of life, and once the chemo is stopped, that tumor just comes back for a vengeance. Sometimes the perspective of the oncologist is, well, look, we shrink that tumor. We had success. That's how they consider, okay, that dog's in that 80%. Now you stop the chemo and the dog dies a month later because the cancer comes back. Well, that that's not their concern. They had that initial success. So it's really important to ask how do they define success and what's working? If it's just making the tumor go away, well, okay. But then what, what, what are the long-term results and what is the dog's quality of life um, my, my own brother just recently went through, um, cancer treatments and he had some lesions, tumors in his lung and the doctors were like, you know, and say, check in and see how things are, are, are going. Oh yeah. The treatments are working fabulous. The, the, um, you know, the lung tumors are shrinking as he literally is dying. I And he did pass away here. Um, but, uh, actually just earlier this month, um, and I believe it's because the drug's poisoned him. So he'd be like, yeah, the, the drugs are working. The tumors are going away, but I I can't walk up the stairs anymore. I'm so weak and I got blood clots in my legs. So that's success. But yet the doctors are saying this is success. So it's important to ask that question. How do they define success? Because in my mind, I'd rather see a little dog like Bentley running around loving life with all his tumors who cares if the tumors are there? I mean, we care, but you know, it, our objective is his quality of life. And if we can help him live a good quality of life and live with those tumors, then to me, that's success, but that would not be considered successful in the eyes of the oncologist. Yeah. So the bottom line is this
1: guys, that uh, we don't know how long uh, if your dog is in a compromised position that they will live If you move them off of toxic food, off of the toxic, you know, um, uh, traditional vet prescribed medications, but we do know this, you've got a much better chance, right? You've got a much better chance, um, of them surviving. If you put them on a species appropriate diet, that means a diet that is meat, bones, organ and fat, it's highly digestible. There's not, um, synthetics in it. Take a look on Dr. Jacek's site. She's going to, in in your blogs, you've got lots of information about flea and tick and heartworm. Uh, Talk to her about what you can do to mitigate your risk. Okay. All of these things are going to help your pets. Let's get them on a species appropriate diet as soon as possible. Get over to rawdogfoodandcompany.com where your pet's health is our business. And friends, don't let friends feed kibble. Dr. Jacek, we'll see y'all next week, okay? Uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much.
0: Bye-bye, y'all.
2: Oh, snap.
0: Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.